First reading is from Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Uh, that's on page 685 of the Church Bibles. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Okay. Therefore I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life uh, more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And uh, the second reading for tonight is Philippians uh, 4, uh, 4-9. That's on page 832. So Philippians 4, 4-9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable... If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. It's good to be with you tonight. Uh, There's a few new faces out there. My name is Paul. I'm the pastor here. And you joined us uh, week two. Uh, We're looking at a topical series. Last week we looked at uh, gossip. Uh, This week looking at the topic of anxiety. Uh, Why am I looking at anxiety? Uh, anxiety has been described as the, uh, the official emotion of our age. The official emotion of our age. Uh, one psychologist said this, Anxiety is the most pervasive psychological phenomena of our time. The most pervasive psychological phenomena of our time. And it's true, over the last 10 years, uh, the number of anxiety-induced disorders, the number of stress-related illnesses has just increased massively. Why is that? Just increased pace of life. Uh, We live in a society where we have uh, information overload. live in a world where the rate of change is getting faster and faster and faster. We live in a world of less economic certainty. We live in a world of an increase of relationship stress. Uh, We have greater demands on our time. 
Uh, people's expectations of us are, are getting higher and higher and higher, and our expectations of ourselves are getting higher and higher and higher. And so our world becomes more and more and more anxious. Uh, anxiety is a, a real issue, it's a relevant issue, and it's alive and kicking in this church. I want to tell you about a guy called Rob. Uh, he was a guy I knew at university almost 20 years ago, Christian guy. He studied maths with me in the UK. He came from a good school and uh, a good home. Both his brother and sister had gone to university, got first-class honors. And in his first year at university, he did exceptionally well. And about halfway through his second year, something happened. He sat in lectures, and as the lecturer taught him about maths, he suddenly panicked and thought, I'm never going to learn this. I can't remember this. And as he thought about it, as he studied in his room, as he spent sleepless nights just feeling more and more anxious about whether he's going to first and would he meet his parents' expectation and would he succeed and would he get a job. He got palpitations, he got short of breath, he had physical conditions. He got to the stage where he stopped going to lectures because every time he walked into a lecture hall, he became more and more anxious. He got to the stage where he stopped going to the coffee shops or to the university because he was scared of bumping into other students because it made him feel more and more anxious. And he got to the stage where he dropped out of university and he became a social recluse. And yet he attempted suicide. Now, thankfully, God spared him. And with the help of good professionals, he learned to deal with his anxiety. It's just one example of how a simple thing like your expectations or the expectation of your parents can lead you into this spiral called anxiety. I'm aware that I'm speaking to a whole spectrum of people here tonight. Uh, some of us here are, we're so laid back. Uh, we, we stress about nothing. We're almost horizontal and say, anxiety? <sighs> Waste of time. And I pray that you will understand tonight that for, for some people it's a real issue. And that you would pass to them better. Uh, some of us here are the other end of the spectrum and the, the tiniest thing in life. Stuff that other people don't even think about causes us to fret and to worry and to be troubled and to be anxious. And I pray that this tonight's talk would help you to deal with your anxiety. Aware that most of us are Christians, but some of us might not be. And I pray that as the Bible is taught tonight, you will see how the God of the universe, the God who's spoken to us, shapes our thinking and teaches us how to live in this world. I'm aware that there's lots of different types of stress in life. There are the, the big decisions like, you know, who to marry and what job should I have and what home should I buy and all these massive decisions. But there's also lots of little decisions in life. Uh, where to go on holiday, uh, what to have for lunch tomorrow, uh, what shirt should I wear to preach tonight, should I wear black or should I wear a striped shirt, should I have my hair cut this week. All these tiny decisions in life that most of us just take for granted and don't think about it. But for some people, those small decisions are paralyzing. I'm also aware that when it comes to anxiety, I'm talking to Christians, and so there's some things that you will be anxious about because you're a Christian. Because you're, you're part of the family of God, we should be anxious about some things like uh, God's name and God's honor and God's glory that the world will not be anxious about, but we should be anxious about because we're Christians. And I'm also aware that I could take many different approaches to this sermon. I could take a medical approach because anxiety is a medical issue. 
And for some people, they're just born with lower levels of certain chemicals in the brain that makes them more prone to, to stress and anxiety. I could take the counseling approach because there's been lots and lots of really good, really helpful books written on anxiety. And they will teach you how to sleep better, how to breathe better, how to live better, how to relax more. They're really good, and I recommend them to you. Actually, one of the best ones is a book written by uh, Nicole Kidman's father, actually, on relieving your stress. But I don't want to take either the medical approach or, or the counseling approach. I want to take a biblical approach because God speaks about anxiety. And so we're going to look at the Bible tonight. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll open the Word together. Uh, Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the people that you've brought tonight. Uh, thank you for the people next to us and for the way that you're at work in their lives. And thank you for the way you're at work in our lives. Uh, Lord, I do pray that uh, whatever we need to learn tonight, uh, your spirit would teach us. I pray my words will be true and faithful and helpful. And Lord, I do pray that uh, this topic would not just finish tonight, but we would continue to encourage each other as we grapple with anxiety in this world. I ask that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Just two points tonight, an overview of anxiety and overcoming anxiety. So overview, overcoming. What is anxiety? How would you define anxiety? Uh, in the Bible, there's, there's actually just one word for anxiety. Just one word. Uh, when you read your translations, there'll be five or six different words that just translate to the same Greek word. So whenever you see the word anxious, worry, concern, trouble, or care, it's the same word in Greek. Anxious, worry, care, concern, and trouble. If you do a simple word search, it will show you very quickly that anxiety is not always a negative thing. There are such things as healthy concerns or, or healthy anxieties. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern or my anxiety for all the churches. And there's a pastor who loves people, who loves Jesus, and when he thinks about Christians that he's left behind, he's anxious for them, he's concerned for them. Are they still trusting in Jesus? Are they growing in Christ? Are they being faithful? That's a right, healthy concern that we should have. What about 1 Corinthians 7? I'd like you to be free from anxiety. An unmarried man is anxious about the law's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is anxious about the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife. His interests are divided. Let me be clear there that, that if God calls us to be single, we should be rightly anxious about the affairs of the Lord. How to live for Jesus, how to serve Jesus wholeheartedly, how to give our life to Jesus. If we're married, if God blesses us with a husband or a wife, then you should be anxious, rightly anxious, healthily anxious about your wife or your husband, how they're going to go. You see, they're both right. The affairs of the Lord, the affairs of your husband, the affairs of your wife, a right, healthy anxiety. See, there's some issues that we as Christians should rightly be anxious about. So I'm going to ask you, are you anxious about how you're going in your relationship with God right now? Are you concerned about your prayer life? Are you concerned about serving God wholeheartedly? Are you concerned about godliness and making sure that you please Jesus wholeheartedly in every area of your life? 
when you hear about the voice of the martyrs and you hear about the men who are imprisoned for their faith, when you hear about the wives who are uh, separate from their husbands, are you rightly anxious and rightly concerned? Will they stand firm in Jesus? Will they keep trusting in Jesus? When you hear about Andrew and Stephanie Browning heading back to Ethiopia with a young baby, are you rightly anxious for them? Will they keep trusting in Jesus? Will God provide? When you hear about missionaries who are serving Jesus overseas in persecuted countries, are you rightly concerned? When you hear about the person sitting next to you, maybe they're next to you tonight, and you don't see them for a month, are you rightly anxious about them? Where are they? Are they okay? Are they still walking with Jesus? They're the right things that we should be anxious about. But if you're like me, I'm guessing that not many of us have sleepless nights over those kind of things, do we? They're not the things that cause us to sweat. They're not the things that bring the butterflies to the stomach. Uh, No, we have the sleepless nights and the butterflies and the anxiety over things like my desires and my wants and, and my needs. And that's what the Bible calls the unhealthy concerns or the unhealthy anxieties. I've described anxiety as this, the inner feeling of excessive uneasiness, apprehension, worry, or concern, often about the future. That inner feeling, that inner mental agitation, that mental distress about what might just happen in my future that we fret and we worry and we're concerned about and we're troubled about. Uh, Jesus describes it in in Matthew, in the parable of the, the soils. He says, the the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the anxieties of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. This is a person who who hears the word of God, but just the stress of life, the stress about the job or your health or your car or your holiday or your money or your sex life or your popularity, the things that the world worries about, they overtake them, they consume them, and they lead them away from God. That's the worries of the world, the anxieties that stop you Stop you focusing on God and you become so consumed with self and so consumed with the world that you drift away from God. They're the unhelpful worries. Or look again at Matthew chapter 6. Open your Bibles, page 685. Matthew chapter 6. What does Jesus say? What are the things that that we do worry about that we shouldn't worry about? Matthew 6 verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Things like what you will eat or, or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Uh, verse 27, who of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his life? Verse 28, why are you anxious about clothes? Uh, verse 31, so don't be anxious saying what should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear. He's saying there are things that, that we do worry about that we shouldn't worry about the life's basic necessities he's not saying don't think about food and don't think about clothes or don't think about houses he's saying don't be so preoccupied with those things that you think they're the most important things in life don't be so consumed by them that you start to think that you're in control of that and just trust god to provide for you in that life's basic necessities that's the unhealthy concern or anxiety apparently there's a cycle this is the kind of cycle you feel insecure. So you start to say, oh, I'm really scared that I, I, I might go hungry. I, I'm really scared that I might be homeless. I'm really scared that I, I might be single. 
And then we feel helpless. Oh, I can't do anything about this. I can't help myself. And then we feel isolated. You know? I can't help myself, but no one can help me. Even God, he can't help me. And then you spiral downwards and downwards and downwards into anxiety. And the symptoms are many. There's physical symptoms, so your heart beats faster. You have a, a feel of jumpiness. You feel faint. You have stomach ulcers. You've had headaches. You have skin rashes. You have those butterflies in the stomach. You have shortness of breath. You can't sleep. You're tired. You have loss of appetite. The real physical symptoms. You have a psychological symptoms. You know, uh, you're unproductive at work. Uh, your mind goes blank. You just can't concentrate on stuff. Relationship suffers. Relationship with your friends and with your family. And yes, your relationship with God suffers. And the big question tonight is this. What causes it? What causes people to be anxious? I'd love to give you the answer to that question. Because <laughs> you know, if I could tell you what causes it, it would be easy to solve it. But the problem is there's many causes. There's a plethora of, of causes. It could, be, it could be your childhood. It could be you, you've learned to respond in a certain way, a certain pattern from your childhood. It could be a chemical imbalance in the brain. Uh, I'm going to give you what I think are the, the top three causes. Uh, number one is change. Change causes stress. Change job. Change house. Change marital status. Change church. Uh, number two is a crisis. Um, you know, a time deadline. A financial demands. Even a, a sudden crisis in the weather, it's suddenly uh, hailstorms and you panic. Uh, a crisis in your health, a crisis over an interview you're going to, change, crisis. Uh, but I reckon the big one is probably expectations. Your own expectations of where you wanted to be in life. Now, by this age, I expected to be married. By this age, I expected to have a house. By this I expected to have this job or to be here in my career. Your own expectation or the expectations of others. The pressures your parents put on you, your friends put on you, your colleagues put on you. But the reality is whatever causes it, most of the things that you are anxious about, listen carefully, will not happen. Most of the things that you're, you're anxious about and fearful just don't happen. Here's some stats for you. The average person spends... 40% of the things they, they, they are anxious about are things that will never happen in life. 30% of the, the things they're anxious about are things about the past that they can't change. 12% uh, of things that you're anxious about is criticism by others, which is not true. 10% uh, of things that you are stressed about is about your health. That just gets worse if you stress about it. And only about 8% of real problems that you will really face in life. But I'm going to give you another cause I want, and please hear this carefully. As Christians, part of our anxiety is caused by a lack of faith. A lack of faith and a lack of trust that God really is God. That God knows me, that God cares for me, that God can provide for me, and God can change things. That's the key issue in Matthew 6. Look at it in Matthew 6, verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
He says, don't worry. If you are worrying, it's a sign that you have little faith, you have little trust. Because when you stress about life's basic necessity, it's not just an anxiety issue, it's a faith issue. When you get your get tied in knots over little things, when you fret over what to eat or which job to apply for or what might possibly happen next week or next year, you really are saying, God, I want to be in control here and I don't trust you. It's not really uh, politically correct, is it? But it's true. When we're anxious, when we fret, when we worry about life's basic things, we're really saying at the bottom line is, God, I don't trust you. I don't trust you're good. I don't trust you care. I don't trust you're in charge. I'm just going to fret and worry and stress. See, Jesus links anxiety to trust, and so must we. So how do you overcome it? One person at 5 p.m. said this. He said, what I do in response to my anxiety is far more important to how I feel. What I do in response to my anxiety is more important than how I feel. And I could teach you what to do in terms of relaxation techniques or breathing techniques. I want to teach you about the character of God. The most important thing to do is this, is to dwell on God's character. To dwell on who God is. The hymn writer said this, he said, I know not what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. I know not what my future holds, but I know who holds the future. And if you call yourself a a child of God, you've got to learn to, to think about God more to think about who he is, to lift your eyes off yourself, off your situation, off your circumstances, off your problems, and onto God. Dwell on who he is. If you're feeling insecure, dwell on his security. If you're feeling helpless, dwell on his help. If you're feeling isolated, dwell on his presence. But the two things to dwell on are this. Firstly, dwell on God's care. Please, 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 if you're feeling anxious, dwell on God's care. Look at Matthew 6, verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? He's saying Christians should be bird watchers. We should look at the birds... And we should look at the eagle who swoops down for his prey and look at the the bird as he gets a worm to eat or look at the seagull nicking your chips at Balmoral Beach and say, God's provided for them. And if God provides for the birds, will he not much more provide for you? See, Jesus has those words in verse 26. Are you not much more valuable than they? Sure, birds are beautiful. God made birds, God loves birds, but... But you're a child of God. You're made in the image of God. So if God provides for the birds, if God cares for them, why do you worry about him providing for you? If, you don't, if you're not a bird watcher, how about being a, a florist? You know, Look at the flowers. The flowers don't last long. We spend hundreds of dollars on flowers. What happens? They last for three days, four days, five days. You chuck them on the garbage. God grows beautiful flowers made for the garbage bin. And yet God 
clothes them and provides for them. Now, friends, you're not made for the garbage bin. You're made for glory. God has made you for glory. And so if you can provide for things made for the garbage, you can provide for you made for glory. God cares for you. God knows you. God loves you. Dwell on that. There's a poem about Matthew 6. It's kind of cute. It says this. He said, Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Friend, I think it must be they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. And it's kind of cute, but it's not quite what Jesus says. Because look again at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet, look at the next word. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Do you grasp that? He's not their heavenly Father. He is their creator. He is their sustainer. He is their provider. He is their God. But he's your heavenly Father. If you are a child of God, if you put your trust in Christ... Then God calls you his son or his daughter, and he is your daddy, he's your abba, he's your father. He knows you, he cares for you, he longs to provide for you. Can you imagine if you, if you had a child, God blessed you with a child, and you spent all your days, and you went into your backyard, and you built a bird table, and you, every day you took out nuts and bread and seeds, and you fed the birds, but you left your child inside the house starving to death. That's crazy, isn't it? And yet, you know... I reckon some of us think that God is like that. Yeah, he'll keep the world spinning. Yeah, he'll feed the birds of the air. But he can't provide for me. He can't meet my needs. No, he's your father. He knows you. He loves you. He cares for you. He provides for you. He knows your sorrow. He knows your pain. Know that he cares. And if you've grasped that, what should you do? When you're anxious, what do you do? Pray. 1 Peter 5. Cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Look at it, read it with me. Cast all your anxieties, say it with me. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares. God longs for you to come to him and to hand your anxieties, to hand your troubles over to him because he cares for you. He wants to hear from you. He's saying to you, cast that burden onto me because my shoulders are, are heavy enough to bear it. Bring your burden, bring your trouble, bring your trials to me and just lay it at my feet because I'm your father. You've got to learn to be less self-sufficient and more dependent on him because he cares. When you're anxious in life, what do you do? You, you turn to a person who will listen to you. You turn to a person who loves you. Well, God's the one who does listen, who does love, and can do something, and can change things. How do you cast anxiety onto him? Just pray. Just talk to him. That's what Philippians says. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Whatever your situation, in everything... Lift it to God in prayer. Now you're anxious about money. Let's say you have too much money. 
And you don't, you don't know what to do with all your money. You're anxious about how you're going to spend all this money I've got. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? What do you do? Don't stress, pray. You're anxious about your marriage. Should I marry this person? How am I going to grow this marriage? How am I going to love my wife? You're anxious about it. What do you do? Don't stress, pray. Uh, you're anxious about a job about an assignment, about a deadline, about your future, about your health, about your parents' health. What do you do? Don't stress. Commit it to God in prayer. Why is that important? Because, because when you pray, you lift your eyes off yourself. And you lift your eyes off the situation you're in. And just that act of just sitting and pleading with God in prayer, it just lifts your eyes onto him. And he reminds you that he is strong and he is good and he cares. And he hears your prayers. Why do we find it so easy to stress and so hard to pray? Think about that question. Why do you find it so easy to be anxious and so hard to pray? I think it's because we haven't grasped how much God really cares for us. And how much he longs to provide for us. I'm not saying he'll give you everything that you want. But he will give you everything you need. And look at the promise in that verse. What's the promise? When you pray, uh, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you pray, you're reminded that you're a child of God and you have peace with God. And when you pray, it protects your heart, it protects your mind and stops you becoming self-consumed and stops you becoming worldly. And it reminds you that you've got a God who cares for you. I heard about a man who learned to pray and not be anxious. The way he did it was this. He, every time he was stressed about something, he, he prayed and he wrote down that prayer request on a piece of paper. And he put that piece of paper in a bag and he nailed that bag to the back of a door. But he put the bag high enough that he'd have to get a, a chair or a ladder to actually get inside the bag. Every time he was anxious, anxious about health, pray, write down a prayer request into the bag. Stressed about work, pray, write it down into the bag. And if he caught himself stressing or being anxious about the same thing again, he got out the ladder he got out the chair, he climbed the ladder, he went into the bag, he, he rummaged through the bag and found that prayer request and thought, I've already prayed about this. Why am I stressed about it? Back in the bag. And he just taught him, once you've prayed, trust God. Once you've cast it onto the Lord, just trust him. I repeat, he won't necessarily give you what you want, but he will give you what you need. The second thing is to, to learn that God's in control. Dwell on God's care. Dwell on God's control. Look at uh, Matthew 6, verse 27 again. Uh, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Just look at that verse. Who of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? Oh, you can take hours off your life by worrying. But you can't change things. God determines when your life began and God determines when it will end. God will determine what happens tomorrow and next week and next year. Think about the things that you worried about a year ago. 
How many of those things can you, can you remember? Think about what you stressed about last week. Did things change? No. God's in control, not you. Uh, you can have all the money in the world and you can buy all the food you want and all the clothes that you want, but God will still determine what happens in your life tonight and tomorrow and next week because he's in charge, not you. And when we're anxious, what we're really saying is that, God, I want to be in control. I want to be in charge. And I can change things. And we're acting like pagans. That's what Jesus says in verse 32. Don't worry, he's saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For, For the pagans who don't know God, they run after all those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The pagans talk about wealth and possessions and position and status and they try and change and control things. But you're different. You know there's a God in heaven who really does control things, who is sovereign, who is good. How does the Lord's Prayer start? Our Father in heaven, give us today our daily bread? No. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Just saying, God, you're in in charge, not me. Whatever your will is for my life, that will happen. And when you've learned that, when you've learned that you're not in control, the right thing to do is to do what? To just be humble. Just learn that you will not solve all the problems in life. You will not right all the wrongs in the world. You cannot change things. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, no one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. You can't solve, change everything because you're not God. Just learn to accept that some things in your life will not change. And stop being control freaks. Winston Churchill said, I've had many troubles in my life. Most of which which never happened. You just learn to say, I'm not God. And when you do that, it's just liberating. It's so liberating. That's why verse 34 says, uh, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. God's in charge of tomorrow. You, just think about today. And today, you do verse 32. You, 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 verse 33, sorry, you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. There are too many Christians, friends, who paralyze themselves with anxiety, and they forfeit seeking the kingdom of God, seeking what God wants, and pleasing God, and honoring God, and, and preaching the gospel. God cares, God's in control, and lastly, please learn to be content. In the midst of your anxieties, please learn to be content. Philippians 4, verse 11. This follows on from when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, present your request to God. He said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I've learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in, every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. See, Paul learned a lesson. He learned that his circumstances might not change. But God is the same. He learned that whether he's in need or in plenty, to find his contentment, his satisfaction, his joy in Christ. 
And he learned to say, whatever happened in life, whether I'm in need or whether I lack nothing, I've learned I'm secure in Christ. God is good. God is faithful. And I have everything I need. Look at that last word. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. He's my father. He's my rock. He's my refuge. He's my provider. He's my friend. But he had to learn that the hard way. And I've learned that the hard way, you know. There's things that God has brought into my life and situations God has taken me through. It's like God has been hammering away saying, come on, Paul, just learn the lesson. <laughs> learn to be content. It doesn't come naturally. That's why he says twice, look at it. I have learned to be content. He says again, I have learned the secret of being content. And maybe God is taking you through a period of anxiety to teach you that lesson. To teach you to, to be humble, to be prayerful, and to be content in Christ. I don't know where you are on the spectrum of anxiety. You might be so laid back, you haven't got a care in the world. And you might be the worry ward who just takes everything to heart. God cares. God's in control. So pray, be humble, and just be content. Let me pray. Let me read the verse from Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6 verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. Uh, Lord God, in all the distress and change and fears in our world, Lord, we need an anchor for our soul. We need to be firm and secure and to know that you are trustworthy and you are good and you care for us and you provide for us and you love us and you are in control of things. Lord, keep our eyes fixed on Christ. Lord, fill our mind with great truths about who you are and your character. Lord, I pray that as a church, we would be anxious about the right things. Help us to be concerned for the lost, concerned for your glory, concerned for your name, concerned for your honor. And forgive us for times when we stress and worry about things that you just ask us to cast onto you because you care. I ask that for Jesus' sake.